Music Business What Is This is a podcast that focuses on the ever-changing music industry and presents issues and concerns that the average and above average musician has or will encounter. Hey everybody, this is Music Business. What is this? I'm Jeremiah Hunt. And I'm Richard Johnson. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about how we got started in this whole music business. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Richard's story. So I want to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Sure. How did you get started in the whole music thing? Like what, where did your love for music come from? How did it start for you? Okay, I grew up in a musical household. My dad plays piano and organ. And my mom sings, not professionally, but she definitely could have been a professional opera singer. She would walk around the house imitating everything she heard. Sounds, vocalists, the microwave beeping, anything you could think of. People talking. She's like a a comedian sometimes. She, I mean, she just mimics people. You know, you've seen yeah. my mom. I'm not lying. He's been to my house several times. And my, that's what she does naturally. It's like, it's funny to see, but she's a great imitator. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I grew up in a musical household. I would go to bed hearing my dad play the piano and organ because mm. he played in church. Mm. So he would be practicing hymns, uh, gospel songs, and that's what we would go to sleep to. And my friends thought it was crazy because they would come over for sleepovers and they would say, how are you going to sleep? to this and I would be like well how are you not going to you just go to sleep right. <laughs> we're used to it I mean my brother and sister he'd be playing practicing you just go to sleep yeah you know but I realized that um, that was not normal mm-hmm. so yeah so I started at home um, just listening to my dad and he started giving me lessons and um, to be honest I didn't enjoy it not at all mm-hmm. I didn't one bit I didn't <laughs> like it he would take me to the piano and eventually he said, okay. Uh, it, w- it was to the point I didn't like it. He still has the same piano. I took a hammer mm. and I chipped the ivory keys with it. I broke three of the keys. Oh, wow. <laughs> yep. And he's never fixed it. So he can show me and remind me. Right. <laughs> you go in, he, yes. <laughs> you, you can go into this day and you see it. And if you play it too hard, you cut yourself. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So <laughs> I was like, uh, this isn't cool. Um, but I didn't realize I was actually learning a whole lot just being around him in that environment. And not just musically, but I think I actually learned more about his work ethic because mm. my dad had a day job. He worked for Sears, but then he would come home and he would shed. Mm. He'd go to work, he'd practice, we'd eat dinner, and then he, he would practice and shed for like three, four hours. Mm. You know, it, I just thought that was normal. And as I got older, I was like, why is this dude still doing this? <laughs> like, he knows the tunes. He doesn't need to practice these hymns. Like, you look in a hymn book, there's like 300 or 400 tunes. Right. He knows all of them. Wow. Right. And I'm not saying that. I mean, he knew all of them. He's still alive. Mm-hmm. And um, it just comes from time playing and his friends growing up. He's from Baltimore. Mm-hmm. All his friends played piano and organ. Mm-hmm. So for him, it was normal. Mm-hmm. You know, so people were like, well, how did he get into it? My grandmother sang. Um, my great uncle is UB Blake. A lot of people don't know mm. that. Um, I My uncle Dan used to play piano. So it was just normal. Everybody played. Yeah. So I was just like, well, I guess I play. And right. I, you know, it's just normal. Yeah. Time. So I tell my students, it's like having a um, computer in your house. 
most people have a computer and you just you want to send an email you just go over and type it and don't think about it mm-hmm. that's what the computer that's what the piano was uh, for us my brother and you know you just go and do what you got to do and keep going right how you learn information is kind of a osmosis but you learn from watching and seeing other right. people and you just do it mm-hmm. so that's how i got into it um but i wasn't serious at all about it and then I started playing trumpet, just like you. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, my dad played cornet and trumpet. So you still got your trumpet? I don't, but I know my parents do. Okay, they keep everything. Uh, yeah, <laughs> everything. So I started trumpet. Um, I played trumpet fourth grade, fourth grade up to like ninth or tenth. So I played a while. Um, I remember my band teacher, Mr. Bill Pabeksky, mm. um, and my other band teacher, middle school, Mr. Dunn, uh, great directors, mm. uh, great family men, great musicians. I didn't know that at the point they were really good. Mm. They were great jazz musicians. At that time, I was just playing gospel and whatever was cool, you know, like there was a, there was a song by LL Cool J. when i'm alone in my room you know i was just playing jams like that on the keyboard because my dad had bought a dx7 Mm. and that was the sound in all the songs in the 80s okay and my dad had bought one for church and he took me to the store with him to get the amp so i remember going into the store which now i look at it it's probably like half the size of my basement but then when i was a kid it was humongous right. all yeah. the keyboards and i remember him bringing it home and i remember when he bought his organ i mean i visually remember all these things and him just toying with it yeah so i mean that's that's what really got me in, into just music in general mm. um so yeah that's that was kind of like my foundation mm. and, and so, so what brought you what brought you to chicago um <clears throat> Well, let's see. When I I finished high school, we moved to Boston. Uh, I started driving down to Berkeley College of Music. It was about 45 minutes south mm. when I was in 11th grade. Um, that's when I got serious about the piano. It's, it's a funny story, actually. My brother and I were going to our new schools. We're in the band room. I see a piano, and I'm playing a gospel tune on the piano. And the band teacher comes in and he's like, who are you? And I'm like, oh, we're new students. We're getting ready to start uh, this week and wanted to check out the music room. And he said, so you play jazz, huh? And I said, I looked at him and I said, well, not really. I mean, I'm playing the church gospel music. And he said, well, sounds like jazz to me. You want to be in the jazz band? You got it. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, oh, I don't know. I said, does it get me out of any classes? He said, we can work that out. <laughs> and I was like, then I play jazz, <laughs> right? And it just so happened that the chorus teacher was a jazz pianist, mm. which was, I didn't know at the time. So I was like, man, how am I gonna learn this music? And the chorus teacher heard me and he said, have you ever heard of Oscar Peterson? And I said, no, who's that? He said, let me give you some." So he gave me this cassette tape I took it home and I'd never heard anything like that in my life. Mm. I said, is this two people playing? Yeah. He said, no, that's that's one uh-huh. one dude. You can do it, though. I said, come on. So he started giving me little solos, little blues. And I learned it. I said, oh, this, this stuff is for kids. Mm. 
So then he gave me an Oscar Peterson song, and I remember struggling with it. But eventually I got it, and he would give me lessons. Mm. And then after the first year, I entered uh, all county, all states. I won that, mm. and then nationals. And then I entered a composition contest because mm. they started to show me how to write you know, for small group and big bands and orchestras. So I wrote a big band piece for uh, Harvard University mm. big band. And uh, I won the piece. And it's funny, now that I'm older, I look back at these things. The guest artist for that competition was a pianist named Andrew Hill. Mm, I had no clue who he was. Mm. So I'm winning this award, and there's this African-American guy shaking my hand, smiling, super happy. And, I, you know, I was cordial. Mm -hmm. Didn't know anything about the guy. Mm -hmm. Took the picture. Took the money. It's still hanging up in my folks, uh, the ward's house. Mm. Didn't think about it till maybe like 20 years later. Mm. When, when one of my friends, a tenor player, Greg Tardy, played with him for a while. And I'm looking at this recording because Greg Tardy's on it. And I'm like, man, I know this guy, but I don't know why. Mm. So I start looking. And after several months, I realize, oh, snap, that's the dude I met when I was 17 and I won this award, mm. right? So I win this award at Harvard and it's also crazy winning that award allowed me to go to some of their big band rehearsals. Mm -hmm. And while I was at that rehearsal, you gotta remember I'm a high school kid. Um, there was these other two pianists that were incredible. I just couldn't believe it. One, uh, his name was Ben Walter. Okay, yeah. Right, so for years, I didn't remember his name, but I remembered who he was. Mm. The other piano player was a guy named Aaron Goldberg. Mm -hmm. And he was from Boston. Um, and I remember him because we were like a year apart in age. Mm. So we became good friends. Mm. And it's it's a crazy story, crazy life. Cause you know, he'd be on tour, I'd be on tour later on. We'd see each other. We'd always play basketball in different oh, cities, yeah. me, him, my old roommate. And one day he said, oh, you're in Chicago now. He said, um, that's where Ben is. And mm. I was like, who's Ben? And he's like, would well, you remember that piano player when you came to the Harvard thing? I said, no, I've been thinking about that guy for like 25 years. Mm. And he said, yeah, he lives in Chicago and this is his name. I said, are you serious? <laughs> So I went on Instagram and I wrote him a message. I said, hey, man, I know you don't remember me, but my name's Richard Johnson. Immediately, bling, I remember you. And he showed up at the gig I was on. Wow. I was like, wow. You know, so we've been good friends. And, you know, if I ever have to sub out a gig or anything, I recommend it to him. Um, but, yeah, that's how I got into the music. I ended up going to Berkeley College of Music. Mm. Um, went there, finished school in two years. Um Got that degree. I went through the summers mm -hmm. and I tested out of a bunch of courses. And then I went to Boston Conservatory, got my master's, finished there in three semesters because I went through another summer, mm -hmm. took more courses every semester. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I got into the Thelonious Monk Institute, now the Herbie Hancock Institute. Mm -hmm. Went there and studied with the only program director, Mr. Ron Carter, mm -hmm. um, with two, for two years. Yeah, That was incredible. Wow. So we had him every weekend, mm. every weekend for two years. Crazy. Mm. And um, I'll never forget him. He's a great mentor of mine, great friend. Mm. And during the year, we had amazing artists as well. Um, 
Herbie Hancock, Jimmy Heath, Charlie Persip, uh, Phil Woods, Jackie McLean. Mm. I mean, you name all of them. Mm. I got to play with them, study with them, um, video, everything. It was incredible. Then after that, all my friends, all of us decided enough school, and we all moved to New York mm. the same day. Mm. Literally, we said, we'll get a couple trucks. It's cheaper. <laughs> yep. Let's go. All of us left at the same. It was like, yeah. We all jetted, and I remember it was uh, 1999, August 30. Yeah, moved to New York, got there, uh, started doing gigs. I was actually doing gigs in New York because we were drive down from Boston. It was only like three and a half hours, mm-hmm. four hours. Got into the scene there, started working with Winter Marcellus, um, Irv Mayfield. Russell Malone, um, great gigs, touring, mm. uh, incredible. I remember my first gig with uh, Winton mm. was crazy because uh, I'd been seeing him for years. Mm. This this is kind of a crazy story. Mm. My roommate had been playing with with Winton for years. Mm. Uh, he was his name is Ruben Rogers. If you want to look him up, great bass player. Um, so I've been seeing Winton for years. Mm-hmm. Go to the gigs, sound checks. And um, would hang out, but he didn't really know I played. Mm-hmm. Then I moved to New York, and then my first recording had Carlos Enriquez on it mm-hmm. and uh, Rodney Green on drums. So we were friends, and Carlos recommended me for this gig with Winton. Winton would do these little gigs around New York with quartet. And I think what happened, um, what I believe happened, someone could verify this, it was during the time of the Thelonious Monk piano competition. And I couldn't enter the competition because I had been in the band. Oh. And they had passed a rule the year before that if you were in a band, you couldn't be in a competition mm. because it's a conflict of interest because they mm. had somebody win both. So every great piano player was in the competition. <laughs> so I think by default, I ended up on this gig with Winton. Carlos recommended me, and I was the last piano player on earth. <laughs> right? So I end up on this gig with Winton. Um, he loved playing chess. He loves playing chess. Mm. So it was for, I think at that time, the the chess champion in the world was an African-American guy. Mm. And they asked Winton to play it. He said, sure. So we went. Played the gig. We're only supposed to play three tunes, and we ended up playing like seven tunes. Mm. And normally, um, he's in and out because he's a super busy dude. Mm. But while we would play, he'd come over and say, "Okay, do this with your left hand. Do this with your right hand. Do this. Play this style." And fortunately, all those years I've been seeing him, I was quietly home practicing all the music and all that stuff because my roommate had it. Yeah. So when he's telling me to do all these things, I was like, cool, I got it. Man. Yeah, I was ready, <laughs> boy. I was, re- <laughs> yep. And then finally the last two, Herlin Riley showed up. Mm. Um, and went and saw him and signaled him to get on the drums. Yeah. So Herlin gets on the drums and he calls, I remember April. Mm-hmm. And I knew that because it was on one of Winton's recording. Mm. So we did it just like that. Mm. No problem. After the gig, we finished. Um, went and came over to him. He said, Hey, Hey little buddy, I've been seeing you around for years. I didn't know you played, but we're going to do a bunch of gigs. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of laughed. It's like, yeah, right. Whatever. <laughs> and then two days later, I got a call from his manager, right? It's crazy. His manager says, Hey, we've got these gigs uh, with uh, Garth Fagan on Broadway. Can mm-hmm. you do blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> and he told me the numbers on it. I was like, whoa. So I said, let me look at my book. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I look at my book, and I actually had a gig with Vanessa Rubin. You know who that is? No. She's a big, great singer. She was really working at the time. She's in Ohio. Okay. We had a gig on the QE2, which was the big jazz cruise ship okay, that yeah. everybody gets on. Mm-hmm. And my gig was with her. And they had already bought the tickets and the visa. Mm-hmm. So I'm on the phone with this guy, this manager. And he's like, of course you're going to do it. And I was like, uh, I can't do it. And his road manager was like, what? Do you know who this is? I was like, yeah, I know who it is. I, you think I don't want to do it? I was like, but I've got these gigs. Right. I said, uh, and, I, and to be honest, I was scared to cancel on Vanessa Rubin. Mm-hmm. I heard she had a bunch of brothers, and I was like, <laughs> no, nah, I don't know what might happen to me. Right, so I, I said, well, let me call you back. So I thought about it for a day, and I called him back i said hey i can't do the gig Mm. and he was like ah this is the biggest mistake of your life Mm. and i said it may be but i'm not going to cancel on her they bought me that's that's i wasn't raised that way that's not cool right so he said okay click so i was just sitting there like man you know what did i do Mm. and then um a couple hours later he called back he said, cool. Uh, Skane wants to know, can you go to Marciac, France? Can you do blah, 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 blah? I was like, yeah, and I could do it all. So um, that was the beginning of that relationship. Mm-hmm. So I did that for years. Then I moved to Atlanta, and then I became the director of music for the Atlanta Hawks. And I was wow. working with the NBA. Yeah, and I put together a band, um, and the band's name was Afar. Okay. And the idea was to take a band of jazz musicians and have them play hip hop and I find them gigs Mm. and that was my concept and I got to Atlanta and my brother emailed me he said hey you may want to check out this opportunity they're looking for a live band Mm. so I said okay so I sent them some music they called me back I went to the stadium they said come in set up like you're going to play it's between you and another group we played we went hard mm-hmm. and we walked out with the gig. <laughs> <laughs> so for the next two years, we did every home game mm. um, for the NBA live in play. Wow. So it was incredible because they took out all the canned music and we had to learn like the top 100 tunes, mm. cover tunes. We never played all the tunes. We might get through 20 seconds before we'd have to stop or the other team would get the ball because mm. we couldn't play on defense. Mm-hmm. So I did that. Um, and that was crazy because I got to meet Shaq, Kobe. I had all access pass. Wow. So I, we would eat with the players. Um, what? Yeah, all the coaches, all the players at that time, all the stars in Atlanta, Ludacris, Usher would come to the games, and I would see them. Boo-doop, boo-doop. Yeah, yeah. And we'd go right into their tunes. They'd be like, yeah, Little John. <laughs> and they would come on the screen. And imagine the feeling of having 20,000 people rocking out right. to you. That's a crazy feeling and the power of that because we'd have to know all the team players' favorite songs Mm -hmm. because if the game was tied like 100 to 100 Mm -hmm. and they only had three seconds, I had to know what tunes Mm -hmm. would get them going so that we could win. So that was a crazy experience. So I did that. Um, Then I moved back to New York a little bit. Then I moved 
to Baltimore um, and was there for about a year too. And I was doing different contracts with the government uh, with my band flying around to different countries playing. I learned a lot from Herbie Hancock about how to do government tours. So I ended up doing a bunch of government tours. They would send me to crazy countries. Mm. I want to go to South America. They'd be like, no, we're sending you to Kuwait. We're going to Pakistan. You're going to Bangladesh. Everywhere I didn't want to go, that's where they would send me. Mm-hmm. So I did that. Uh, then I went to Minneapolis. And it's, during this time, I was still touring, flying out, doing a bunch of different gigs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... After Minneapolis, I ended up moving to Doha, Qatar Mm -hmm. to run a jazz club. So I was there on and off for four years, except for the summers. Mm -hmm. And while I was there, I was managing, touring, everything that had to do with operations, Mm -hmm. getting musicians, um, dealing with contracting, everything this podcast talks about Mm -hmm. in the business, checking contracts, flights, name spellings, problem issues with me just i mean everything you could think of mm. that's was my job my title was jazz ambassador mm. so i did that uh on and off once again for four years and then while i was there i said i should buy a house because at that time i hadn't lived anywhere for really 10 years i didn't have a stable place my stuff was in storage when i left atlanta because mm-hmm. i was just always on the road touring all the right. time and when i was off i go to my parents and they were north of Chicago, or I would go to my cousins in Baltimore. I would find family members and stay at their house for like a week. It was never more than a week, so it wasn't an issue. Right. And I figured this way, whoever I'm playing with, they would pay for me to fly there, and I wouldn't have to pay for it, and I wouldn't have to pay to stay, mm. and I could save all that money, and eventually one day buy a house. So one day it came mm. time to buy a house. My mom kept saying, you need to buy a house, you need to buy a house, you need to buy a house. And finally I said, okay, let me just buy a house. So yeah. I found a place. It's near my folks, bought the house. It was uh, about 40 miles outside of Chicago. And then when my contract ended in the Middle East, I had the house in Chicago. Mm. It was fully furnished. It sat for a whole year. And I just moved in and said, okay, time to pick back up a far, a far music. Mm. And then start again, mm. keep going. So that's how I ended up in Chicago. Mm. Wow. Very interesting story. I'm I'm impressed. <laughs> I got a lot from that. Uh, I one thing that I took away from that is like work ethics. Like that is something that you have to have to be able to create opportunities that you you know that you have and um, loyalty. That's what I like about that Winton call because like man, you turned down the gig with Winton Marcellus to take this you know take yeah. this in, but then he called you back. Yeah, you know? when when I talked with when we got to hang and I told him what happened, he said yeah. I realized, you know, he said to me, yeah, you're going to have gigs with other people, bigger people. And I wouldn't want you to do that to me or somebody else. And that's when I realized, thank goodness for my parents. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, because I didn't lose the gig. Yeah. Well, you was raised right. (laughs) (laughs) We can say that. Well, uh, I think that's all the time that we have. Yep. That's it for today. So, uh, yeah. Well, you heard it from us. Um, so, uh, hope you enjoyed this episode of music business. What is this? Once again, I'm Jeremiah Hunt and I'm Richard Johnson. We'll see y'all next time. See you later. Don't be a hater. This program is partially supported by a grant from the Illinois Arts Council Agency.